0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
1: Welcome in to Episode 23 of Bustin' Loose Baseball. I'm Grant Paulson, and he's Danny Ruey. Hello, Daniel.
0: Welcome back, my friend. We tried to carry on without you. We had a bunch of topics, but they got thrown right into the the refuse bin because it was Juan Soto, Juan Soto, comma, Juan Soto, in addition to some Juan Soto.
1: Two things. Number one, you said carry on. Carry on by Fun is a banger. One of my favorite songs. Carry on. Carry on, carry on. Such a great jam. That was on
0: pitch, by the way. That's really good. I don't know if it was.
1: No, I think it was perfect. People sleep on carry on. It's a great song. Second... I've got a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, a weak throat. I'll say. So if you hear what appears to be me talking through some candy, it's a cough drop. And there, if there's a little bit more of a, like a lispy situation, if there, if you can tell that there's there's some tomfoolery afoot, it's because I have this whole thing. Oh yeah, you sometimes
0: sometimes we need them. I mean, I get it all the time. When it's hot, it's like if it's cold outside, hot inside throat, if it's hot outside, cold inside with the AC throat, Throat. it happens with our thing, man. We just I think the people will come to accept our faults because they value us so much.
1: Where to begin? Oh, how about Juan Soto? Uh, So let's just start with the fact that being out in L.A., it was incredible. This was all people were talking about. I mean, it's the all star break. All the all stars, all the best players in the game, have descended upon the place with the stars in L.A., and it was the story. I was in the dugout sitting there talking to Davey at one point, and players and coaches and media are coming up to him within a couple of minutes span. You know, all just kind of saying, "Wow, this is nuts! Like, what's going to happen?" And obviously, he has no idea. And if he did, he wouldn't say anything to any of them. But it was just, uh, it was. Really amazing how Soto took over the entire event as a storyline, and Monday was a game changer as well. A week ago from our recording, he won the Home Run Derby. I thought he had a fairly easy path. I mean, Jose Ramirez laid an egg, and he beat him, which was cool, and then he got to face Albert Pujols, who stunningly somehow beat Kyle Schwarber. I still don't know how that happened, and so he was into the finals to take on Julio Rodriguez, who'd hit 30 bombs in each of his first two rounds, and... You know, he ran out of gas a little bit. But regardless, Soto, after putting on a great show last year, furthest home run hit at Coors, 520 feet, wins the home run derby, ends up playing more and having more at-bats in the game than the guys that got voted in to start. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole thing, it was like the Soto weekend. It was really, really cool.
0: So that home run derby part of it, we didn't talk much about it, but... You know the the three highest totals were Julio Rodriguez twice, and then the guy he beat in the first round, uh, Corey Seager, who had 24. I think so. It was a strange thing, but still, it's it's you know we talked about this on Grant and Daniel, 106.7 The Fan when you were out there in LA. It's so frivolous, it's so meaningless, but it's so much fun. I, nobody really cares, you know, who had the best round or the matchups or whatever. It's just a really cool spectacle that guys get into and guys have a lot of fun with. But it's just another feather in the cap. It's another Soto moment. It's another, you know, great image of him flinging the bat up in the air and celebrating and, you know, dancing around. I mean, he was the center of attention for the entire sports weekend. And really, you know, not just Major League Baseball, but sports by and large. There's nothing else happening. NFL training camps open up this week as we're recording this uh, on Monday. And before that, you're just in the dark period, the MLB All Star game. It, it should have been just about a collection of, you know, 50 or so stars coming together and, you know, having a meaningless exhibition game and, and having that be fun. But it turned into what's Juan Soto doing? Well, who did he talk to? What does that mean? Are people recruiting Juan Soto? The Scott Boris show uh, as kind of a side Remember to that. When it he was went out
1: there saying he was going to recruit Trey Turner. That was going to be what he was doing. Yeah, that
0: was our fun little side story for the week. Well, I'm going uh-uh. out
1: there to recruit Trey Turner. First thing Saturday morning, Ken Rosenthal drops the bomb that he turned down 15 for 440. And the Nationals are going to be taking offers on Juan Soto. Very, very different than going out there to bring Trey Turner back with him to Washington, D.C. One of
0: these is not like the other.
1: I love Juan Soto so much. This is hard for me. I'm just going to say that. A lot of you can relate. You got jerseys, you know. I got one hanging in the closet as well. Uh, He is 23. He's one of the great players of his era already. I mean, this is a guy who's been in the big leagues since 2018. This is year five of Juan Soto, and he's 23 years old. It's just staggering. I, I covered the Futures game. I was in the NL dugout. Nats represented by Darren Baker and Jose Ferrer. Uh, a, a arm who's a, a lefty reliever will make the big leagues. Bar- Baker, I'm not as convinced. You know, he's probably going to be like an organizational soldier in the minors, but... Dusty son, kind of a cool thing. He actually made you know a splash. I mean, he he was noticeable and put barrel to ball and made a nice defensive play. But I digress. In that dugout at the Futures game, representing the National League, you know, I was tallying up all the ages at one point. There were fourteen players in the Futures game younger than Juan Soto this year. Excuse me, older than Juan Soto uh-huh. this year. But fourteen guys, yeah. players in the Futures game older than this guy. So we're just talking about a unique game changer, and it's goes to reason, stands to reason that, you know, a lot of us want him here in Washington, D.C. But why don't we just start with should they trade him? Uh, Will they trade him? Uh, Two very different questions. So I posted a poll on Twitter on Sunday night that is going to go down as my definitive poll on Juan Soto and whether or not he should be traded. And at about 2,500 votes right now, 51 percent of people are saying yes, they would trade him ahead of the deadline if they could get five stud blue chip young players back. 49% are saying no. You can see how divisive this is. Everybody wishes and hopes Juan Soto would stay in Washington forever. What I believe, having talked to a lot of people, plugged in on this thing. I've talked to people on the team side, people on Soto's side. I don't think he's re-signing a contract in Washington in the near future. Or probably ever. I think he's... Going to market. Now, they could win a bidding war and bring him back at that time. But he and Boris want to get to free agency to break every record. If that is the case and we are working back from that reality, Danny, I got to tell you, they, they should trade him. I mean, honestly, they, they frankly, they should trade him. Now, you can make the case that the real complicating factor here is ownership, that the next owner should make that decision, not the learners. And what does this do for the sale? And all of that is is Real. Those are good questions. I don't have answers to that. But what I know is from a sheer baseball standpoint, if we are sure that he's not going to resign, and I'm pretty sure about that, you have to trade this guy. You have a terrible situation over the next couple of years where he can be splendid and you'll still be bad. They don't have a good system. They don't have enough players ready to break in. And, oh, by the way, what they would get back for this guy is such an unbelievable game-changing package Herschel Walker style in baseball, that you might actually have a chance to be good again in the next couple years with a new owner coming in, adding to all the young talent they get back, free agency and spending some money on some veterans. Next thing you know, you could win 90 games in a couple years.
0: There are two camps, and you touched on it on your Twitter poll, obviously. But camp number one is, I don't want to hear it, you just sign him. And you wave your hand at the problem. Doesn't matter the dollar amount, doesn't matter the years, whatever he wants. I've watched too many players walk away. The one guy you kept is Steven Strasburg, and he may never pitch again.
1: I've been in that camp before. I was basically in that camp for the majority of the Anthony Rendon negotiation, for the record. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Early on with Bryce, as they got closer and then Soto developed and they were able to let him walk and replace him with a better version of him in in right field, I was totally fine with letting Bryce walk. But I understand that camp. It's like, this is the best of the best. This is the guy that I love. He should go into the Hall of Fame with the curly W on his hat. I disagree with people saying... Nothing else matters to sign him because it's not reality. Mm-hmm. But I understand that camp, don't you?
0: I totally do. And and with the other guys that, that walked away or they let walk away, remember, Adam Eaton was a part-time player in 2018. Bryce Harper started most games in right field. They had a center fielder, and you know Eaton didn't play every day. Well, you had a ready-made right fielder, then you had Juan Soto come up, and you had an answer. 2019, you added some pitching. You get more war when you had Adam Eaton plus Patrick Corbin than you would have gotten from Bryce Harper. Then you start going down the line. When you go, okay, we won't pay this guy, but next guy we can fill in the war somehow. It didn't work out, but you would try to figure it out. Well, now... You get rid of Juan Soto, where's my war? I got nothing. I have no one waiting on deck. There's no answer. There's no Phenom and Double A hitting 410. There's nobody coming up throwing 102. There's no answer, and you're devoid of talent here. But the camp number one is I've watched all these guys walk away. You kept telling me that it's the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Well, this is the thing. This is the number one of all those guys. And that includes, you know, a multi-time MVP in Bryce Harper. It includes a guy that's going to the Hall of Fame in Bryce Harper in all likelihood. It includes these other superstars that could have been wonderful here. This is the best of all of them. His comps are Ted Williams and Stan Musial and Mickey Mantle. I mean, that's where we are. You promised me all these things and now he's going to go. I don't care what it costs. I don't care about anything else. You sign him, period, end of story. I don't want to hear from pudgy idiots hosting in, the, in afternoons or who host this podcast. Nothing else matters. You sign that guy. Whatever the price is, you do it. That's camp number one. Camp number two is, i got to be honest. Can go I ahead. say
1: real quick before we go to camp two, mm-hmm. that still takes Boris and Soto agreeing to a contract. Thank you. Now, if you give Juan Soto an offer of $40 million a year for 15 years, what's that math?
0: $600 million. Okay.
1: I think they would accept that, probably. But we don't know for sure. I mean, I know that Boris thinks he can do better than that on the market. Uh-huh. He's expecting to get this guy close to $46 million a year over close to 15 years. I mean, that's way over $600 million. He's valuing Soto not based on comps. Scott, Boris is valuing Soto based on the revenue in the sport, a $14 billion sport. He looks back at when he got A-Rod 250, when no one had gotten 250, and he says that worked out for the Rangers. Look at the money they made. On that investment with tickets and jersey sales and uh the TV deals and the marketability of the player. Like he thinks the Nats, if they were to spend 16 15 years at 46 million a year, will still make money on Juan Soto over his duration of his contract because he's that good. But he views this as A Rod and Soto, basically, are the two guys ever where he's had a chance to kind of say. Screw comps. Screw what Tatis got or Trout mm-hmm. got. None of that matters. This is different. That's really how he's looking at this.
0: Which you know, but so actually, we'll talk about that for a second. Which is easy to say, but are they making money hand over fist with Juan Soto now? The learners are selling the team because they have no cash, right? I, I just, it's one of these things. that's very it's go the marketability, and you just sort of use these economic Look, him uh, being words. In the home run derby is worth something. It sure, him winning it sure the home it is. home run
1: derby is worth something. Um, I, I get what you're saying. I, I would make the case though they have they have essentially done the opposite of trying to compete for going on three years. Oh, they
0: totally have. I, I'm just saying, it, it's not as if it's this magic formula where now you have the guys, you're going to start making money again. Agreed. And but if you're a
1: good team with Juan Soto on it, it's hard to not do really well. Well,
0: of course you're better off. But I, I don't know. It's one of these things where I, I know what Scott Borges is doing, and he's doing a good job of it, by the way. He's We're, good at his job. He's very good at it, and he'll get Juan Soto a, a ton of money, but it's, it's this like this magic formula for for lottery making. So, oh, I guess every team will just pay him 600 million dollars then because they'll make, you know, 850 million as a result of it. It's just it's a little bit too convenient, too easy.
1: I also, yeah, I, I don't buy it. Like I'll take the under on that number. <laughs> right. Because no one's ever gotten 430. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and I get that this guy's different for the the reasons he can lay out. We He's all love the, him
0: and that's that's yeah. not up for debate.
1: But at some point, like, this is real money, and Mike Trout's record-breaking contract was 426, and Tatis, who I think took a horrendous contract for the player last year, and I'm sure Boris and his people were laughing out loud at it. Obviously, he's not repped by Scott Boris, but, like, he signed for 340, which was crazy. Like, he should, never should have done that, but that exists. Like, yes. that's out there. That right. doesn't help you. But, okay, so that's camp one. Yep. Camp two.
0: Camp two is... If we work back from the end, which is we can't sign the guy, which is the camp I'm in, and I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like you may be almost all in there.
1: I, I have built a fire and I'm g- gathering kindling. I'm at <laughs> camp right now.
0: Maybe your pinky toe is like still outside the line from being in that camp, but I have two feet firmly planted, old school jump stop in basketball. In that camp, no, they I, cannot resign this guy.
1: I've said they're not resigning him for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you listen to the show, the podcast, I have never thought they were going to resign him. I want them to keep raising the paddle, make it hard, make it tough, mm-hmm. and they're starting to actually get into a realm where I give them credit because they haven't done this in the past. Certainly not two and a half years out, but I I don't think he's resigning. I, I just think this is the game Boris plays. He's the best at it, and this is his job. Frankly, yep. His job is he he has negotiated what twelve billion or something worth of, of player deals. He's got a chance to change the complexion of the deals he's negotiating for for stars for years to come with this guy. Like this is this is the game here.
0: And that yeah, and that, and that is the state of goal. So if you work back from that place where you cannot resign him, then of course you do this today. You get the most you possibly can. As upsetting and devastating as it is, and as uncertain as that is, this is basically walking out onto ice trying to go 100 yards on 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 a newly frozen pond. All five, three, four, seven, whoever they get back could be all they could all be bus. They could all be you know Cameron Mabens, uh, guys that are supposed to be great that are just journeymen, or some guys don't even make the major leagues. You have no idea. You have a certain thing in this superstar that is Juan Soto on an unbelievable track. If he just if he never gets any better, he's a Hall of Famer. But that's usually not what happens. Usually guys get into their real prime years and, and and blossom that much more. He's incredible. If you work back from, we're terrible with him, we're not close, we need you know, seven, eight, nine frontline players to start to mirror these teams that were winning 90-plus games every year, this is the best path to get that. This is your cheat code. Instead of years of drafting and developing really well, instead of years of shrewd free agents where you always get more than you bargain for or winning every trade— you could do this right now and kickstart that process in a way that no organization really has ever had the chance to do. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die
1: alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Agreed. A couple things, though. They could be bus line is um, that one's tough for me. You're right that they could be. There's no doubt. But I, I want to be careful about that because I think there is this perception with a lot of people that prospects are like this uncertain, awful thing. And I don't really play that game. Yes, they are. Largely uncertainties in the minor leagues. But there is a huge difference between trading for an A-ball pitcher who's 18 or an A-ball infielder, even a top pick like Brady House who's at Fredericksburg, and trading for a 22-year-old who's in double or triple A killing it, who's one of the 10 best prospects in the game. There's also a huge difference between trading for you know the number one or number two prospect in a system and the 17th prospect in a system. Like when the Nats last year at the deadline traded for the guys that they did, Riley Adams, we knew like this may or may not be a guy that helps you at the major league level. What they're talking about getting back for Juan Soto is not just random JAG prospects. We're talking about really elite blue chip guys that often become the stars. Jordan Walker with the Cardinals, special. Anthony Volpe with the Yankees, you know, minor league player of the year according to MLB Pipeline last year. If they traded him to the Mets, so Francisco Alvarez behind the plate, who's got 70 power as a catcher. Like, we're, we're talking about the, the number two overall prospect in baseball. People just put prospects in a bucket. Like, it's this bad word of you're trading certainty for uncertainty. Well, before Juan Soto was a big leaguer, he was a prospect. Like, that's what your stars were, and there's just a huge difference. And, and I, I, as someone who does a show on the minor leagues and prospects, I, it's like a, a pet peeve of mine, I guess, when people act like, Trading for some of the best players in the minor leagues is, is just like playing this lottery. There's more certainty with guys drafted in the top 10 than guys in the fourth round. In the same way as when you're trading for a random dude that's like 26th in the Dodger system, there's a lot less certainty that he's ever going to make it as a fourth player in a deal, for Scherzer and, and Turner last year, than Josiah Gray. How's that worked out? He's pretty good. You know, Kaybert Ruiz, who was their top catcher, he's pretty good. And, and they're getting those types of guys, right? Not the, the scrubs. But your point is well taken in that they will not get Juan Soto back. No. They're not getting anyone back in this deal that will approach what Juan Soto is at the major league level. You have to go in knowing that. But Juan Soto is Juan Soto, and you just went 2-15 and 15 in a 17-game stretch. What if you have two more starting pitchers in your rotation— and your future uh, shortstop, and your future right fielder and center fielder, you know, all in this deal, something like that. All of a sudden, you're a better ball club.
0: Well, at the end of this trading deadline uh, on August second, assuming Josh Bell gets dealt, here's what you're going to need, and then we'll add in a Juan Soto thing in a second. You will need a first baseman, a shortstop, a third baseman, all likelihood. I'm not on the Carter. You're talking team about for change. this season or for the future? For the future to be good, yeah, right? Uh, someone that you can count on every day. Uh, a left fielder. Probably a center fielder. This Robo's experiment. Adorable, but it's I pretty much had enough. Watching him every day. Probably two starting pitchers.
1: How fitting was the clown nose, by the way?
0: It, it, it all fit. And I'm, the
1: irony worked. I, I loved know. it, by the way, because I can't stand Madison Bumgarner's act. And I thought it was great to put on the clown nose. But if you are if you know, you know. Yeah, you know if
0: you saying? do know. If the guy got a steal on a, on a time he was picked off the other night. It was just perfect. Uh, you got the full Robo's experience. But yeah, so you're basically talking about seven to maybe eight or nine... N- like, with, before, whether you have one soda or not, Frontline legit, MLB-caliber, not stars necessarily. A couple of those guys need to be all-star caliber players if they have a nice season. But that's just to get back to competitive. That's to catch up to the Braves, who, by the way, can't lose anymore. The Mets, who will never be outspent again. And it's not as if the Phillies are pushovers. The Marlins are a couple of players away. The division has a deck together. You're no longer just going to get out of bed and win, you know, fifteen of nineteen against the Marlins and cruise to early '90s wins. That's not really who you are anymore. That's who the division is well, the for bigger the next problem.
1: I think than the big league level where they're dead last, and you know, as you just said, they have a lot of needs. There are plenty of teams that stink that have needs that have a bunch of guys ready to help out. The Nats don't. They well, that's what don't. I mean.
0: And, where, and where's it coming from? It's it, unless it's it, this way.
1: This trade is yes. your hope, essentially. I mean, Cavalli, who's got a blister and isn't pitching right now. Looks like he could be a really good starter. I probably pencil him in toward the middle of the rotation more than you know an ace. I think he's probably a two or a three just because he doesn't throw enough strikes. But you know, the, the, if you're bullish and, and I like the guy a lot, you could see him as a frontline starter. I actually like Cole Henry more. I've said that on this podcast. He just can't stay healthy. I mean, right. he's right now in West Palm Beach, still rehab and hoping to, to get back on the grass sometime in August. I'm sure in AAA, but ideally. Both of those guys could be in the rotation next year. Brady House himself dealing with a back injury. Not (laughs) good to hear for a huge guy uh, who's a kid. He hasn't played in weeks and weeks and weeks and hadn't hit for a lot of power yet at Fredericksburg. That'll come. I still like him a lot. I think he's your future third baseman. But I guess my point is like your best, your third baseman of the future is Brady House, who's in low A, and there's some guesswork to him. The Cardinals is Jordan Walker just played in the futures game with six five and two twenty five and looks like he'd be in the big leagues tomorrow. Like there is a difference. Speaking to right. what we were just talking about with uh, potential to bust and guesswork and stuff like that, you're still doing a lot of projecting for Brady House. Jackson Rutledge is in Low A and getting kicked around right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean they just they lack. I mean that's their fourth best prospect. Christian Vicero, who who I hope hits and and could be a star, the the uh, Cuban player that right now is is playing for them in in the uh, Dominican League. Vicero is potentially going to be a, a special prospect, but right now you're just kind of keeping your fingers crossed that this seventeen year old who's hitting two sixty five in the DSL, you know, has a chance to turn into something. There's no one that that you go, it's okay because Juan Soto is about to be awesome. It's okay because Josiah Gray is going to be a, a, a thirty-start guy for you next year, and so if you were to make this deal overnight, you go from having one of the worst systems to top ten. You go from having one or two guys, maybe two years from now, that you project to be really, really good, to maybe having five or six. I mean, that's that is a game changer, and it's not me saying that they have to or, or like if, if Soto's here for the rest of uh, his contract, I'll just be at Nats Park clapping like a whale every time he walks and, and hits a homer I'll be excited about that <laughs> but this is a real chance for them to fix something that is immensely flawed which is that they don't have enough coming in the pipeline and I don't I don't think it's particularly close
0: I think that's the essential point because I know a lot of people say, well, what does that do for me now if I'm going to Nats Park? And the answer is not a lot, to be honest with you. The, but a lot the guys, lot of the guys, are on guys that on back
1: are going to be in the big leagues either right away. Pretty soon. Or, yeah. or like Josiah and k soon after the deadline. I mean, I, I, like I was talking to someone who said if you're trading him to the, the Rays, you're, you want Wander Franco back. Now I don't know that they get him back, but if you're trading him to the Cardinals, you might get back Zach Thompson, who's in the majors, or Dylan Carlson, who's in the majors, or Nolan Gorman, who's in the majors with those prospects. And that's my point. They're not trading Juan Soto for a bunch of dudes who are going to be in Fredericksburg. There might be one or two guys in a five- or six-player package in the low levels. But you know this, Danny. I mm-hmm. mean, these are guys that we're going to see on Masson right away or within a couple months.
0: Right. and and But I, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is the, the, the building of the system is the most essential part of all this. And I know that's not sexy. That's not selling season tickets. That's not... You know, printing playoff tickets just yet, but there's a there's a reason you had this core that for the better part of a decade just won a bleep ton, it, and that's how it happened. They had. Pieces upon pieces. And they were required in different ways, right? Some of them was, it was a beefing up of the international scouting. I mean, think of how low this organization was in the wake of the Smiley Gonzalez scandal. That was a, a point of pride to them. They had a couple of Dominican players that made the major leagues as part of a World Series caliber team. A couple guys came to them via the draft. A few guys came to them via trade. It was shrewd. It was good organization building. Really, since 2019 happened, as, as great as that was, these last three years have not been a clinic for them. It, it's... Nothing has gone right in this organization uh, over the course of three years, and I know that's a bit hyperbolic. But you look up and you go, "We're in a wasteland right now." It's bad. There's there are no bats that are within a couple of years of making By an the impact. Way, they to major should league be level. getting
1: the number one pick this coming year, definitively, and they have to enter into a lottery. In the with lottery. Two other teams, NBA style, they're going to have the worst record, and for the first time ever, that won't guarantee them the number one pick. They'll probably end up with the third pick or something ridiculous. You know, I don't even know what the the rules are beyond the top three teams have a. I think it's a sixteen percent chance, like equal to get. Yep. It. Somehow they'll they'll be the wizards and they'll pick eighth.
0: It's you know, yeah. <laughs> like their their Denny Avdi equivalent will be there. Yeah.
1: It's so annoying. They they should be picking one and taking Dylan Cruz or whoever they fall in love with in next year's process. Let me ask you a question. Sure. I don't I don't know if you covered this last week in detail or not, because I was uh, traveling back when Danny was doing the pod last week. How much did you talk about including Corbin in the deal versus not doing that?
0: A little. We did. We did a little bit on it. So it was one of those. This could be another way forward, or this could be another option that might influence what you got back. Um, it also might limit which teams you'd be able to do the deal with, right? In terms of you know, does that eliminate the Rays, for example? Not that the Rays are our leading contender at this point, but a smaller market team that's not going to want to take on the fifty-plus million dollars that he's owed over a couple seasons. Just different paths there, but that is a way forward, certainly. So
1: I have gotten the feeling just based on all the conversations I've had, that they would really like to unload that contract in this deal. They've also kicked the idea around of possibly doing it in other deals. Like if they could trade him with Josh Bell and basically ask for nothing back, but someone takes on the majority of Corbin, mm-hmm. like maybe they pay some of it, the team pays the majority of it, and then you get Bell and Corbin at the deadline this year, say the Mets with Steve Cohen, who doesn't seem to care about money. Uh, he just throws it around like it's Monopoly scratch you know maybe that's a way where you don't get a prospect back for Bell but you just get rid of Corbin and Bells with him uh, and now the Mets want to do that so th- there are maybe ways to do it I- i'll just say this i hate the idea of adding corbin to the soto deal if they do it it'll it will benefit them obviously because it gets them out of this horrendous contract that could keep them from spending in the rotation what they want to in the future even with the new owners but you can have a bad deal Strasburg or Corbin. I don't know that you can have two. Mm-hmm. And and you can't get rid of the Strasburg contract because it's so much money and it's so many years and he's not healthy. Corbin still has value. You guys don't maybe believe that, watching him every fifth day, but he he doesn't miss starts. Every five days he's on the mound. That that is an asset. And on top of that, he can eat innings. Like he'll go out there and give you five or six and He's very comfortable making his money and just wearing it and, and you know, getting beat up on Twitter. And, and every and once in
0: a while, there's a decent start in there. I mean, he's totally. had good moments. And I know it's... He's been
1: a little better than the numbers. Right. It's not all terrible. Right. And
0: I know our bar is lowered from you know totally. World Series hero to, well, he, it's not the worst. I mean, I understand where we are. But, but, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping he doesn't get attached to the deal. But we just went through this. You yes. have
1: to use this deal to change everything yes. for the future. This is where you add. Like, if you're trading the Cardinals, just as an example... Thompson at the big league level is the guy that, you know, from a pitching standpoint would be in your rotation right away. He's been pitching out of their bullpen. Maybe you got to stretch him out. But you could go like him and Nolan Gorman with something like, you know, Mason Wynn, Gordon Graceffo, um, and Tink Hence. And, you know, you could like find this crazy package without Corbin. If you put Corbin in the deal, you can kiss Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman, who are prerequisites to me. Uh, as a tandem goodbye. Like, you just get a lot less back. I feel like it's Corbin and a couple of blue chippers, you know, in a three- or four-player package. Or it's not Corbin and it's a five- or six-player package with maybe as many as four real studs, young major leaguers with some controllability and some prospects. And if I'm trading Soto, I'd rather reboot the whole thing than make up for my transgressions. I wouldn't even say that. I would I would still do the Corbin deal again because he mm-hmm. helped win you a World Series and it was well worth it in the um, so so let me say that, that I put my foot in my mouth and I disagree with myself there. But I would just rather get as much back as possible than attach Corbin, especially here's the other part. It's a couple years left and you're out, right? This mm-hmm. is year four of six. So it's six and one forty. Yep. Realistically, even if you just got a crazy package back from the Dodgers, right? I'm just gonna draw something up real quick from LA. I'm gonna say Gavin Lux. With uh, Diego Cartaya, their top catcher. Bobby Miller just pitched in the Futures game. Michael Bush, one of the home run leaders among prospects in the minors. Miguel Vargas just played in the Futures game. You know, Ryan Pepio. Something crazy like that. Okay, so you're adding a couple guys that are in your rotation from opening day on next year. And like three immediate starters uh, for you as position players at some point next season. If you do that, which is awesome, I'm in. If you were to package Corbin into that deal, though, Danny... Mm -hmm. It, it it cuts it in half. Like I need you to, to to use this opportunity to have Soto's legacy basically be that he turns you around. And if you got all those players, I guess to finish my point, are you are, are you winning a division in the next two years in the East? Probably not. So just wear the Corbin contract while you're still building, and let him be a veteran with all these young pitchers who can help out and answer questions.
0: That's interesting. I mean, because you're you're. You know, you're under the guys or under the pressure, it seems like, of of Rizzo saying, hey, this is a retool. He's on a one year extension. Um, and, and you look at a, a, a team that doesn't have talent at the major league level, doesn't have much at the minor league level, and you go, well, we're, we want to compete within the next couple of seasons. We want to get back to, to being towards the top of the division and competing in the playoffs. Well, what's the path to that? It could be. Unloading those last couple years of Corbin and not getting that much back for Josh Bell and supplementing with free agents, which is something this organization hasn't really done much of the last couple of seasons. It's been a lot more, you know, uh, Nelson Cruz than it has been, you know, real difference makers. Um, I mean, they assigned him to trade him, but it's an interesting thought in in so much as if you do a good self-evaluation and you go, we won't compete next year even with, the, with these new pieces, even as kind of the, the new kids on the block, with the young guys, even if we supplement an awful lot, we won't really be able to compete still with Strasburg's uncertain future. Let's, as you say, wear this for a couple of seasons and, you know, play these kids every day. And then we sort of look to make this next show be our 2010. The year after is 2011, where we start to be a little bit frisky. We're not pushovers anymore around 500. And then, Three years from now, you're out of Corbin, free agent contract for, for or two for a starting pitcher. All these kids are ready to carry you. Maybe now that's kind of the way forward. It, it, there's there's no one right way to me, but what you're saying makes sense.
1: What percentage chance do you think that Soto gets traded? Because I think as, as much as we're talking about it, and I don't just mean on this podcast. This is literally the story with the Nats. On our daily show in D.C., Grant and Danny. I mean, it's kind of taken over my social media feeds. It's like my number one passion the only thing
0: thing, The only thing my friends want to ask me about. Exactly.
1: Someone said to me the other day, they're like, if he doesn't get traded, you're going to look like an idiot. And I, I said, what do you mean by that? They're like, well, you're predicting him to get traded. And I'm like, actually, I don't think he's going to get traded at all. I'm saying if he's traded, dot, 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 and having conversations, right? But if you're asking me right now to bet money, I don't think he gets traded. And it's not because they don't want to. I think the story is... The baseball people do want to trade him right now. I know this. I mean, they're working hard to try to get the best package back. I just think it's going to be really difficult. Our team's going to give up what it takes. You can't trade him two and a half years out for 85 or 90 cents on the dollar. And you shouldn't be negotiating, right, with like the Rays or the Cardinals or the Yankees or the Dodgers, where they're going, ah, we're not going to give you that guy, we'll give you this guy. This is a, here's what we want, take it or leave it player with two and a half years left. Because you could come back and get less, obviously, but come back to the negotiating table at the two-year marker this offseason. You could come back at the one-and-a-half-year marker a year from now at the deadline. And I understand that the compensation goes down, but there is no real rush to do this. And because of that, and I'll even add the caveat that I'm not sure what the learners will do if they get a deal in place. Remember that Mike Rizzo was given permission to go out and seek a trade and find a trade partner for Bryce Harper. He went out and he got a deal in place with the Houston Astros, knowing Harper was going to walk in a very similar situation than what they're in with Soto now. Difference being, Harper was a free agent at year's end. Soto's obviously got 2.5 years left. That said, when he got the deal and he went to the learners, they didn't okay it. They wouldn't let him trade the player. And the way I was always told the story was they basically, it just got too real, too fast where all along they were talking and saying, yeah, no problem, we'll trade Bryce, let's see what we can get back, get the most back, let's reboot the system. And then he gets you this deal, and I don't know if they hated the, the compensation or what, but they basically were like, oh no, this is real, we can't trade Bryce Harper. I'm not going to have that on my resume. I think that could, is, is Mark Lerner's last act as the Nationals owner going to be to trade Juan Soto? I mean, that, that would take some balls, right? So I'm just not convinced. There's a lot of, I guess my point is this, there's a lot of moving parts here from just getting to the finish line on a package with a team is so difficult, and then you've got the hurdle of trying to make sure that the learners would sign off on it. I'm just not convinced.
0: So I think ultimately uh, you've got the learner family, which is now especially given you know Ted's advanced age, Mark's you know uh, had some health issues certainly that we know about. You've got this big committee that we don't see every day. Their their new hallmark for major stuff is inaction. And I think that speaks to what you're talking about. So I don't actually think he gets traded at this trade deadline, despite you know a resolution being needed or wanted for a new ownership group to come in. And that's kind of, to me, was always the driving force to hurry this along. I think baseball-wise, it makes the most sense to do it right now. I think it ultimately happens after a new ownership group is named. And even if they're not sort of voted in, they'll be the ones that are making the decision. I think it happens, if it does, this offseason.
1: All right, let's get ready for Kevin Blackstone, who's going to join us. He wrote a great piece in the Washington Post. Uh, He's a season ticket holder. He's obviously a longtime media member and uh, plugged in and has opinions. And he does not want Juan Soto traded. Uh, So let's talk to him. And if you haven't read his story, you should definitely check it out.